Well, this will be the third time in just the past several days that we'll be hearing from Dr. Daryl Champlin. I uh, discovered uh, a number of sermons in an archive from Northland Baptist Bible College that we've been using to help us build the program uh, Building Great Leaders with Dr. Les Olala. Dr. Champlin uh, is a missionary statesman. He's gone home to be with the Lord now, but was for 61 years on the mission field in the Belgian Congo first, and then for 40-some years in Suriname, South America. And uh, he has gone home to be with the Lord, but he has a great legacy teaching so many in Bible college classrooms and churches all over the country uh, with his mission agency, mission agency, Independent Faith Mission, and also his preaching that we have left for us to listen to. This is all about the journey to knowing God from the life of Abraham. And I'm really excited to present this sermon to you from Dr. Daryl Champlin. If you'll open your Bibles tonight to the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, one of the fascinating things about the story of Abraham is the manner in which Abraham revealed himself, uh, God revealed himself to Abraham. And as you study through his life, you find that God had a program. He had an ultimate objective. And at last he came to the point where he had revealed himself to Abraham in a number of different ways, which are described in Scripture in the book of Genesis through the names of God, each of them, of course, having a very particular meaning. And at last he came to the point where he said, now I'll find out if he has learned who I am, and learn to know me as I have been attempting to teach him. That is happening to you. There is an entrance-level relationship with the God of heaven. We find it here in the cha 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, where Jehovah introduces himself to Abram. Now, Abram is a heathen, he's an idolater, and he knows nothing of the God of heaven. He has his gods, he has his idols. Historically, his people have worshipped other gods. He's as lost as it's possible for a human being to be lost. He's rich, we say in our vernacular, filthy rich, And he has great potential, but he's a lost man. And so God comes to him as Jehovah. Jehovah is God's personal name. It's um, his introductory name. This is the personal God who says, I am that I am. Know me as I know you. Moses took him up on that. And cried out in Exodus 33, Lord, you say to me that you know me by name. Now, Lord, we're about to enter the promised land. 
going through the wilderness, and we need you with us. And I would like you to reveal yourself to me so that I may know you as you know me. And that ought to be the objective of every Christian. Don't stop with the introductory level. Look what happened here. Jehovah the knowable God comes to Abram. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God introduces himself here to Abram. He has not finished with Abram. The glorious promise that in Abram would every nation, every family of the earth be blessed, of course, is called the Abrahamic covenant. We'll study that in our introduction to missions class more fully. But this is the beginning of it. When you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you may be, in many ways, very ignorant of God. You've had no relationship with Him. He's had no real means of working in your life and heart to transform you into His ultimate objective. And God does have an ultimate objective for your life and mine. And so he comes to us and he introduces himself to us in salvation as Jehovah, the knowable God. But God now is not finished with us, nor was he finished with Abram. Look over in chapter 14 of the book of Genesis. Five kings have swarmed down upon two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, they have a mighty army. They surround, crush, and conquer those two cities. And they loot them. When they're finished, there's not a living thing in those cities. All of the treasure, all of the people are carried off. The cities are left empty. And the kings are carried away. Certain news arrives at Abraham's place. They took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. And there came one, verse 13 in chapter 14 of Genesis, that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, and brother of Aner. There he had built his altars to the Lord, and there he worshipped the God of heaven. He could look down over the valley. He could see Sodom and Gomorrah. He saw the smoke rising. He said, there's something happening there. And then running came one who had escaped and informs him that his nephew uh, Lot has been taken captive. And so this rich man with 318 trained warriors rises from his house and pursues five kings Five mighty armies that have decimated two cities well fortified with their own soldiers and armaments and have carried them away as though they'd been warring with babes. 
Now Abraham has 318 men. He divides himself against them, he and his servants, by night. And he smites five armies. How many hundred men? We cannot tell. He decimates five armies that have overwhelmed two fortified cities. And we read that he brings back all of the goods and his brother Lot and his goods and the women and the people. Now something incredible happens. Verse 17. Well, let's start with verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Here are two miracles. Number one, the Canaanite nation was the most barbaric nation on the face of the globe at that time. If I were to try to describe to you their actions, their lifestyle, you would be sickened. Incredibly, in that land, by the purpose of God, there is a city called Salem. That's a Canaanite word. It meant peace. The Jews borrowed it and called it Shalom. The Arabs borrowed it, borrowed it and called it Salam. How in the world, in a nation that was as despotic and barbaric as the land of Canaan, was there a city called Peace, only by the design of God. And the, the second miracle is that Melchizedek, king of Salem, was there. Melchizedek, the king of righteousness. Upon the arrival of Abram in his town, Salem, Melchizedek comes out with bread and wine, and we're informed that he was a priest of the Most High God. Step two. God has placed in a barbaric land, in a city designed by the God of heaven, and put there, in spite of the, the Sodom-like life of these people, a city called Salem, and God has placed his own servant, Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, a priest, the high priest of the most high God. Now in our introduction to missions class, we'll trace this out and see that this has happened across the world in thousands of places. God placing his testimony in barbaric places for hundreds of years before they ever heard the gospel before a missionary ever reached them. But in this case, he had a man there, Melchizedek, because he had a servant whom he was training and through whom would come the Savior, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. And he blessed Abram after he met him of the Most High God, Possessor, of heaven and earth. And bless the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, Abram, gave Melchizedek tithes of all. Now the king of Sodom arrives and says, Here, verse 21, Give me back the people, and you keep the loot. And what is Abram's response? I have lift up my hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, and I will not take so much from you as a shoelace. Step two. 
in the relationship of Abram to the God of heaven. First, the introductory step, the entrance step of coming to know Jehovah, the noble God, as his God and Savior. And then coming to know the Most High God, El Elyon, the Most High God, the Master, the Ruler of Heaven and Earth. So God's not finished with him yet, and you could preach this on that subject, but we must go to the close of our pathway, and we find in chapter 15 that he meets Adonai, Master by reason of purchase. That indeed is the Lord Jesus Christ. Master by reason of purchase. Purchased by the precious blood of Adonai, the God of the universe, who hung on Calvary's cross for our sin. And Adonai says to him, I'm going to take the next step. I promise you now, look upon the stars. Count them if you will. I reiterate the promise given to you as Jehovah. You will indeed have a progeny that is multiplied until it is not countable as the sand of the seas, as the stars of the sky. But God's not finished, chapter 17. And now he comes and meets with El Shaddai. When Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. I am El Shaddai, the Breasted One. Almighty to meet your needs. Almighty to make you fruitful. I'll never forget on our first deputation trip, I was 19 years old. We were coming out of Los Angeles, California, headed for Brooklyn to swell, to, to sail to the Congo, Africa, then the Belgian Congo. We ran out of money in Cheyenne, Wyoming. We had $6 to our name. Three of us, her brother, myself, Louise, and a year old David. I went in to this motel in bitter cold in the month of February, ice and snow everywhere, Cheyenne, Wyoming the land of wind. Now you know how they test the power of the wind in Wyoming, in the area of Cheyenne, a wind that blows 18 wheelers on their sides with fre regular frequency. They take a heavy chain and attach it to a strong wooden post about four feet high. And if that chain is out straight out from that post, they say the wind is blowing. Until then, they don't consider that wind. I went into that motel and I asked, do you have a room? Yes, we do. One. Um, how much does it cost? Six dollars. Okay, went back to the car. We counted it down to every penny. I took the six dollars and laid it on that desk on the counter, and we were broke. Well, we crossed country broke. We slept on bare floors in, in a house in Joplin, Missouri. And we worked as, as domestics, washing cars and painting buildings and mowing lawns, and Louise in the house taking care of a mission house so they would give us our board and room 
on our way to Congo. And on that way, we, as Abraham, met El Shaddai, the almighty breasted one who will meet every need and who will make us fruitful. But God's not finished yet with him. We come to chapter 18, and we read, The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. God now meets with him. He says he sees three men coming. Two of them are angels, the other is the God of heaven. And he says to them, My Lord, if I now have found favor in thy sight, verse 3, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. And of course he sends to Sarah and says, Now Sarah, cook something, get a tender calf, and let's dress it. And he brings a meal to them. And they say, Where is your wife Sarah? And he says, Behold, in the tent. And the Lord said, I'll certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abram is, what, 99, and Sarah is 90, 94 maybe. Well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. And when she heard that she was going to have a baby, she laughed. <laughs> after I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? I would have laughed. Me, who in my youth was not able to bear a child, now that I'm old and weasoned up, and, and him, ha, ha, oh, oh, him, that weasoned up old man, give me a child. Oh, don't, don't make me laugh. Don't make me laugh. And the Lord said, Sarah, you laughed. No, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. But is anything too hard for the Lord? But the Lord did not come specifically just for that. He had come because by now, Abraham had progressed in his relationship with the God of heaven so that the God of heaven was going to take him into the secret counsels of God. That's a long way from chapter 12. And there will come a time for you, by God's grace, if you will allow God to teach you to know himself, that you'll come a long way from the day you met him as Jehovah, the knowable God, on the day of your salvation. Now, he says, shall I hide anything, verse 17, from Abraham, that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord begins to explain now to Abraham. He says, Now Sodom and Gomorrah, their sin is grievous, and the cry is great. And I'm going down now to see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, and Abraham ran around in front of the Lord and said, Wait a minute. Can you imagine? Wait a minute, Lord. This isn't Genesis 12. Nor is it Genesis 14. Nor is it Genesis 17. Now Abraham has come to the place where he can go before the God of heaven and intercede for two cities that are rotten with sin. 
and plead with them, finally begging God, if you find ten even that are righteous, please do not destroy them. And the Lord says, if I find ten. And then Sodom and Gomorrah go up and smoke. Isaac is born. And we come to the last point I'll try to make with you tonight, chapter 32. But I noticed just before chapter 32, verse 33, And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, El Olam. Now if you study through Scripture, you find that El Olam is, is basically the everlasting God who is omnipotent to keep his promises. You can count on it. He will keep his promises. I read in the newspaper one time about a building that was burning, three-story apartment building that was going up in flames. The crowd was gathered, as they do. And up there in the third story, leaning out of a window with smoke boiling out behind them, was a young man and woman screaming for help. The hook and ladder was on its way, but it was not going to make it. And then appeared a big man. And he called up, young ladies, jump, I'll catch you. She said, sir, from a third story window, oh, sir, you can't catch me. Yes, young lady, jump, I will catch you. And in her desperation, she dumped with a scream. And he caught her and set her on his feet, on her, her feet. All right, young man, jump, and I'll catch you. And he caught him and set him on his feet, and then disappeared into the crowd. They searched until they found him. And they asked him, Sir, how is it that you attempted such an incredible deed? He said, I did it because I was the only one here big enough to do it. Young people, our God is big enough. And by the time Abraham had seen God as Jehovah, the noble God, entrance-level salvation and relationship, as El Elyon, the master of the universe, mighty to give victory, by the time he had met him, as Adonai, master by reason of purchase, by time he had been allowed to commune with the God of heaven and plead the cause of Sodom and Gomorrah, he knew by this time that his God was indeed big enough. And now the Lord in chapter 22 said, Now let me find out if he has learned what I've been attempting to teach him. And he comes and says, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abram. Literally, that God did test him. More even li literally, that God did evaluate him. Evaluate how? To see if Abraham had come to know two things. Number one, who God is. And number two, who Abraham is. And so he commanded him, take your promised son, 
and offer him as a burnt offering upon the mountain Moriah. Abram showed evidences immediately that he indeed had come to know his God as who he was, for he gave instant obedience. Isaac asked in verse 7, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. You read that and you say, Oh, but Abram really was shielding his son from reality, for he did not expect that God would give him a lamb. That was a surprise. You read back in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 and 19, what Abraham expected was that he would indeed kill his son Isaac and that God would raise Isaac from the dead. Now the point had come. And Abram proved himself, for he took his hand, stretched it forth, took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. Seest thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Now I know, Abraham, that you've indeed learned the two things that I have planned for you to learn from the beginning. I have planned by the revelation myself to you that you would come to know me as who, who I am, as the sovereign, omnipotent God of the universe who has the right to ask of you anything I please. And you have come to know indeed yourself because now it's evident that you know yourself to be the servant of the God of heaven, and you will give indeed to your God anything he asks. And that's God's purpose for you and for me. Starting with salvation and leading us step by step to know him, that we might come to the place where we consider our God the omnipotent, sovereign God of the universe, who has the right to ask from us anything he pleases, alive or dead, at whatever cost, anything he pleases. And by God's grace, may he help us to come to know him until we can look into his face and say, I am your servant, Lord. You may ask of me anything you wish, and I will give to you. Where are you on your journey with God? Can God ask anything of you and you will obey? Well, that was Dr. Daryl Champlin and a message from 2001 about the journey to knowing God from the life of Abraham. Dr. Champlin was a missionary for 61 years in the Belgian Congo and Suriname, South America. He knows a little of what he speaks he uh, went home to be with the Lord about a year ago in August, but uh, his words uh, remain impactful for us, pointing us to the scriptures and to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Well, if you'd like to get in contact with us about anything you've heard on today's Take Note, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to our website, khmg.org, khmg.org, and click on the contact button on the site. You can fill out that form, hit submit, and I'll receive an email with your comment or question. And I'd love to hear from you and get back to you about this topic or anything else that we've discussed on Take Note or anything that you hear 24 hours a day on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio.